How's everybody doing today? A lot better after the Holy Spirit shows up, ain't it? So, I was praying this morning when the worship team was going through the set the first time. And I felt the Holy Spirit then. I didn't know he was going to come even better later on, but he did. And he, the Holy Spirit spoke a word to me. He just said the word declaration. You guys aren't just a worship team, and you're not just singing songs because you sound good. You guys are actually making declarations. Let me read what that means in the Bible. Declarations state mere facts. Mere facts. Biblical declarations speak into existence words of truth and affirm God's promises in the Bible to His children. When you guys were singing, you weren't making suggestions to the enemy of what we're going to do in here. You're saying it with power and authority. And that's evidence of the Holy Spirit to me. Because what they say to Jesus? I've never heard a man speak with such authority. But how many of y'all know that he had to go so the Holy Spirit could come? And when you're up here singing these songs and we're singing these songs and raising our hands and praising him, the same Holy Spirit is in us. And here he is today. So I'm excited for today. I don't know about you guys. But if you don't know who I am, my name is Cody Blackburn. Um, I'm originally from uh, Lower Johns Creek. I've found some connections with quite a few people in here, which is just the way Eastern Kentucky works. You know, everybody's family is everybody's family's family and their dog and the one they had when they were little and everything. So as I was preparing a message to come and speak to you guys, I actually thought I was going to come and share a testimony because you guys have no idea who I am. But God let me know pretty quick that he had other plans and he let me know that um, my story isn't all that important when the Holy Spirit wants to say something else. Amen? So I moved myself out of the way and he actually gave me a message. Um, hopefully you got tabs in your Bible today or using the app because we're going to be all over it. So it's going, to be, it's going to be all over it. But I want to know where this message came from, you guys. So I'm an outsider looking into you guys. I've only been getting to know you guys through what I could find on the website or getting to talk to people and getting to know them. Most of my message today, I pulled from your website. And I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit told me, gave me some revelation on some, some of the things from the website. So to start off, and I notice that you guys post this thing all the time. It's your mission. It says, we imagine a church where we meet people right where they are and help lead them to where God wants them to be. A fully transformed life. If you don't mind, let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you allow us to come here today to congregate in your house. I just pray that you'll move me out of the way as much as you possibly can and let your Holy Spirit speak because I need to hear from you this morning just as much as everyone else. God, I thank you in advance because you have already went before and you, as you've been speaking all week, I've had such an anticipation to hear what you, what you wanted to do today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're talking about we want to meet people right where they are. And we want them to live a transformed life, right? That reminded me of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son story, you have a rich guy. He owns land. He has a bunch of people that work for him. He has a bunch of cattle, a bunch of livestock. And he has two sons. One son we'll call, he's the faithful son, the son that works hard. He gets up early. He, he's taking charge. He, he treats the servants well. He does the work that nobody wants to do. Then you have the other son who's like, dude, I just want my inheritance. He goes to his father. He's like, hey, I know you're not dead yet, but you're going to eventually, right? Can I just go ahead and have my inheritance so I can, I can go and do what I want to do with the inheritance? And the other brother's just kind of standing back and watching this guy like, I can't even believe this. And then the dad's like, sure, here. 
And the, the, other, the brother's like, what? What do you mean you're going to give him the inheritance? The dude takes the inheritance and he pretty much goes to what would be Las Vegas now. And the dude just blows all the money. Blows it. I'm like, just waste it on sinful desire. Whatever his, whatever his flesh wanted to do, he wasted the money on that. And then he found himself working in a pig pen. And the guy was so hungry that he was actually eating. He was trying to, his job was to feed the pigs. He was actually eating the food that he was supposed to feed to the pigs. That's how hungry he was. Went from this rich place, had everything, servants and everything. And now here he is. He squandered his inheritance. He's far from his father. And he, he's ran out of his inheritance. The resources are gone. So let's pick up in Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 24. Give me a second. All right. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. We will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I feel like all of us have been there at some point in our life, even if it's been for a short season or a long season. But here we have... We have him. He says that he's far from God. He's far from the Father. But we have, as the guy returns home, disgraced, what does his father do? Does he sit up on the porch and say, there he is. I knew he'd come back. I knew he'd come crawling back. We'll just make him a servant. He's not even worthy to live in the house anymore. No. What did the father do? He left the porch and ran and met him right where he was. He didn't wait for him to get to him. This story is a depiction of Jesus. Jesus will come to you wherever you are, no matter how far you are. First, all you've got to do is just turn around. He's not waiting for you. To, it's not about your work. It doesn't matter what your work is. Isaiah says your, work is, your works are like filthy rags. They're useless. It's not about what you can do for God. God needs nothing. His resources are not limited. The inheritance that we stand to inherit it from the Father is not a limited resource. It's a never-ending resource. God wasn't worried about the inheritance that he went and squandered. That, didn't, that wasn't going to hurt him. That wasn't what it was about. What did he say? He said, go get the finest robe and, the, and, a, and a ring that was custom-made for his son's finger. He said, finally, our son has come home. Bring him into the house. Go, slaughter the fattened calf. Let's, let's bring out the best for him. And today, we got to decide, are we going to be like the prodigal son, or are we going to be like the brother who refused to go in? The brother, he said, I'm not even going to go into this party because I can't believe you're throwing a party for him. And the dad said, don't, don't you know? The son that was lost has returned. Let's celebrate for the one that has returned. So if we are going to leave, live a life that is going to live up to this mission statement, that's what it's going to take. Are we willing to celebrate and meet people right where they are. Are we willing to take Jesus out of these four walls and take them to people wherever they may be? Amen. And are we going to hold their past against them? No. Because why? We want them to live a fully transformed life. That's our identity. We're sons and daughters of the King, the creator of the universe. That's our Father. What could we lack? Nothing. 
There's nothing we could lack. Jesus is the only one that can lead us to a transformed life. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for, for his sheep. Jesus is truly the only good shepherd, and he's, he will lay down his life for us that we'll have a transformed life. But there's no other leader that we can follow that's going to get us to this transformed place. You can follow the best motivational speaker. You can find the smartest man on the planet. You can find the most talented, the person with the most money. It's pretty much like our news cycle. We put these clowns up there thinking they're going to give us some kind of answer about something. God's given us every answer there is. It's right here and it hasn't changed. We keep trying all these different things and people are thinking, you know, religion's, religion's it's no good. There's no count. Let's try something else. Their life ends up nothing. Look at Hollywood. Think those people are happy? They get all the money. People taking pictures of them everywhere they go. They're not happy. We see it. They can't stay married for a month. They can't even get the newspaper written before the, for the, they're into the next marriage. We have to be different in the church. Because we have to stand on the truth. If this is really true, and we believe it's true and we're acting this out, and we believe the words, and we're doing the actions, we're living a transformed life, then there has to be fruit. Who goes and plants a, plants a, a potato and thinks they're going to pull up a, a stalk of corn? I mean, it's, it's nonsense, right? So if we think that we're planting seeds of the Word of God, and we think that the Word of God is true, then what's going to be the fruit of that? People are going to be transformed. And that's what I want to see. And here's some evidence of a transformed life. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So when, we come, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. You realize the things that I was doing was stupid. When, I remember when that happened to me. God ripped the veil off my eyes. I couldn't believe it. I had no other option. I went straight. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I went straight to my mom and cried right after church because I had felt horrible for all the things I had put her through in, in this life. And the Lord showed me in that moment how stupid everything I was doing and how worthless everything in my life was up to this point. And I said, God, if, you'll, if you will do this for me, if you will come into my life and transform me and start this process of what's called sanctification, which is just a never-ending process of us getting more and more like, like Jesus, I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because what's the opposite of freedom? If when the Spirit of the Lord comes, there's freedom, what if the Spirit of the Lord isn't present? What's the opposite of freedom? It's bondage. If, you're not, if you have the veil over your eyes and you're not following Jesus, you're walking in bondage. I don't care how much somebody thinks that they got their life together and everything's going great. When all the lights are off and there's no more noise, your life is not great. You are living in bondage. And that bondage can't be removed outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the people that are in our lives, that are, have that veil on our lives, that we sit next to at our workplace, in our office, or we, or we go to the restaurant and we sit and have a dinner with, or we go to their house and we break bread together. If you're sitting next to people who have that veil removed... We have to at least give them an opportunity to follow the one that can remove it. Amen? And we've got to figure out if we're going to be willing to do that. That's the mission statement. We want to see more people come to Christ and see them live in a transformed life. That's the price. The price is you give your life 
Because he said, if you give your life, if you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Who wants to find their life and have their life be perfect? When they were singing, they said that they were going to stand. The wind would come and the, and the rain would come and the floods would come. Well, no matter what would come. But we're going to stand on the firm foundation of Christ. Our life's not going to be shaken. Right? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to say, hey, man, like I know we've been working together for 10 years. You probably don't even know I'm a Christian. I mean, I've been there. I've had people that I didn't even want to talk to about it. But I'd hate to, be, to get to the end of life and them be sitting there saying, man, like, you didn't even tell me about this Jesus? Like, you didn't even bring it up? In fact, you hid it from me? There's actually, um, what was his name? He's a, uh, a magician, a famous magician, Penn and Teller. Famous magicians. Um, he's, a, he's an atheist, a famous atheist. He's even written tons of books on it. And he said... He said, um, if I was a Christian, he's like, I would expect you to be, he's like, you guys must not really believe what you believe because nobody's ever told me. He's like, I'm a, I'm a proclaimed atheist. I write books about atheism. And he's like, people still don't even, they don't even talk to me about Jesus. That's perfect evidence. He's, what he's saying, yeah, he's an atheist and he's not talking from God, but what he's saying isn't, isn't wrong. I mean, how many people do we walk by and we don't even let them know? The next part of your of your that I pulled from your site says, we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. How do we do this? John 12, 32. And when I am lifted up on the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. We can't lift ourselves up. I mean, guys, we can perform the, the best charity work you could ever see. I mean, we could be the top-notch non, or, or, uh, nonprofit that you ever heard of. We can, have, we can have drug rehabilitation programs. We can feed every person from here to Lexington. We can give a coat to everybody on the street and some socks. But if we don't lift up Jesus, yeah, those are good works and people should do them. But if we aren't lifting up Jesus, he's the one that's going to bring a lasting change, a true eternal change. This life is temporary. The hardships we're facing here are just temporary. They're all going to end one day. We're going to get a glorified body and we get to go live and be with Jesus forever. And we need to take as many people with us as we can. And trust me, a little bit of rejection is not going to hurt nobody. Because what did Jesus say? He said, the world rejected me first. We're never going to feel the amount of rejection that Jesus felt. Because guess what? When he went and died on the cross, he was innocent. We're not. We're guilty. I stand here in front of you today guilty. But Jesus says, I'm not. He says, I'll pay the bill. And he'll pay the bill for you today too. Let's read John chapter 4, verses 20 through 26. I'm sorry, there's a lot of scripture today, but I'd like God to speak a little bit more than me, if that's okay. John chapter 4, verses 20 through 26. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while the Samaritans claim it here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those that will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
What is Jesus saying to this woman here? She's got the Messiah standing right in front of her, right now, telling her, this is the way this is going to be anymore. You guys, because see, back then, they had like, so the, you had the Pharisees, okay? And you had to go to the Pharisees, and they would do the sacrificial of the animals. And then in order to talk to God, only the one, the, the chief Pharisee or whatever, he was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies, and it was only once a year. And he would go in, and he would make the sacrifice for everyone's sins for the year. Because then they didn't have access directly to God. It required another human being to get to God and sacrifice of animals. What Jesus is trying to tell her right now is that things are coming, it's about to be a lot different. For one, are we willing to adapt and say we're willing to do things different? But for two, Jesus is saying it's not going to be just in a building. His spirit isn't contained to these four walls of this church. As much as that's what the government would love for us to do, praise God, in this country we still have freedom of speech. But what if we didn't? Are we going to contain the Holy Spirit? Are we even able? How much pride do you have to say that, say that we can put the Holy Spirit in a box? The Holy Spirit doesn't want us just to, have, to take the Holy Spirit and, and keep them all to ourselves. We have to go and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He's looking for those on the outside that are willing to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And if you notice, it's really easy for us to think... Will you pull up the, um, the last two verses of that for me, James? And this, she said, I know the Messiah is coming... The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. How often did the Holy Spirit come and tell us something right to our face? And we're like, that sounds cool. I wonder when that'll happen. <laughs> He's here now. He's already came. The Holy Spirit's here now. We don't got to wait. There is no more waiting. He's telling the word that I'm, I'm speaking right now is for now. It should give us urgency for today, not when we get our things together or when we feel like we're holy enough or when after we go and we study the Bible enough or when I quit doing this one sin that I just can't seem to get rid of. Jesus didn't say, after you get all your stuff together, then come follow me. He said, come and follow me and I will teach you how to fish for men. The Holy Spirit is wanting to still teach us today how we go and we fish for people. Like I said, the world wants to confine us. But Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise me. No. So that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. We let our good deeds shine. We, 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 we want to look different. We don't want to conform to the patterns of the world. We don't want to look like everybody else. We want to be like, oh, they handled that differently. What is different about them, I wonder? And then you get to say, I follow Jesus Christ, and that means something. Amen. It's not just a box we check. It's not just a prayer that we prayed one time. I follow Jesus every day. I pick up my cross every day. And follow him. He said, if you're not willing to pick up your cross, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. The cross isn't a cute necklace that we wear. The cross was a death machine. The cross was, the cross was an electric chair. 
that you walk around with it on your neck. It's not a cute thing that you wear around, like it's nothing, like it's no big deal. Are you willing to give up your life and set aside what you want and your desires and your hopes and your dreams and say, Jesus, empty me and pour into me what you want me to do? Because I'll tell you, as soon as we all do that together in unity, we'll see change in this whole, whole region. Not just in this one building. We'll see change in our schools. We'll see change at the hospitals. We'll see change at Walmart. Praise God. I hate going in there. <laughs> you like that one, huh? <laughs> the next thing I pulled from you guys is the website. Whatever you bring to the table, you matter to God. And God has a purpose for you. And let me, let me tell you, the Bible affirms that just straight up. Jeremiah 1.5 I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. You mattered to God before you were even put on this planet. He had a plan for you. You sit back and say, I don't have gifts. I don't have abilities. I don't have, I can't do that thing. Well, Paul talks about us being a body. And let me tell you, there's some certain parts that we don't consider being the most important. Try chopping off your big toe. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was an authentic laugh. I like that. You chop off a big toe and all of a sudden your whole balance is off. Your whole equilibrium's off. What good is having the wisest brain or the best singing voice or what have you the whole body matters. Whatever your gift is, is important. And don't let the devil come in and try to tell you that you're not important to the process. Because we're all important to the process. I would even wager to say the people that are behind the scenes are more important. Because what did Jesus say? He who is last is first. Being, being a preacher is hard sometimes. And I, I'm an introvert by nature. So I mean, like this really isn't like, whenever God called me to preach, I was like, are you sure about this? You're positive. So I really don't like people all that much. Just, God has prayed. We, we've prayed about that. I'm good now. But, I mean, it's just like, God was like, no, if you'll use whatever I give you for me, then I'll, I'll, we'll do it. Now, I can't sing. That's why I brought my wife. If I tried to come up here and sing today, you guys would be like, well, that's the last time he's getting invited. But we've all been given different gifts and abilities, and we all plug into different places. I'll tell you right now, James can do lots of things that I can't do. I can barely get my thing connected to the Wi-Fi. And this guy's changing the thermostat from home. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Jesus Christ. I want to point out a word there in verse 7. One of the word there changes the whole thing. He says, then, which means something has to take place before. Then we will get the peace. Okay, then we'll experience God's peace. What do we got to do? We got to thank God for all he's done in our lives. We have to have a heart of gratefulness that says, God, I recognize that without you, this could not happen. We don't want to become prideful because what happens to the prideful? Pride comes before the fall. The humble are the ones that are lifted up. That's why I said the ones that are behind the scenes, they're the humble ones. What, is, what did God say? He said, whenever you fast, 
What, to go out and tell everybody you're fasting? Make it a public declaration? I see people that fast for Lent and they take ashes and they put them on their forehead and they wear them so everybody can see that they're fasting. What did God say to do? He said, when you're fasting, wake up in the morning and wash your face. Put on clean clothes and don't let a single person know that you're fasting. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing because the Father who knows what happens in secret will bless you. When you pray and you fast in secret only for God, then you get a reward from God, which is peace that surpasses all understanding. But if you want to be a holy man and just do it for everybody so everybody can see that you're fasting and praying, he said, God said, that's, that's your reward then. People can look at you and say you're holy. Oh, look how holy this guy is. That's religion. If you want religion, you can have it because it leads to nothing. There's no power there. It's nonsense. But if you want power, you've got to have integrity and follow God in the secret place. And I want to highlight there, God does want us to bring our issues to Him, no matter how big or how small. He wants to hear about all your problems. And He can handle it. God can take it. He's never going to be surprised. Remember, He knew you before you were born. He knew. He knew what this was going to happen. He knew all this. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows your sin. He still loves you. Jesus still died for you. He didn't say, I'll die. If, if we could live without sin, he wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to give his life. But he said, I'm willing to give my life. And he was willing to give it even if we said yes to him or not. Just for us to have the opportunity, he loved us so much that he would give his life. Thank you, God, for that. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you future and a hope. But we have to choose to follow his plan. I remember back years ago when, when Cole took a big hit. It was actually one of the decisions that led me to move away from Pike County the first time. Because I had just we had just gotten pregnant with um, our daughter. So I was just about to become a father. And the economy was really bad. And I was a salesman at the time. Um, and I was full commission. So the economy mattered to me. But God says here that he has the plans that are for good, not disaster, to give us a future and a hope. What's our hope here in eastern Kentucky? What's our future here in eastern Kentucky? Yeah, we can get better jobs and we can bring in more industry and we can go to school. But if we're not building it on the rock and the foundation of Jesus and saying we want to follow his plan, no matter what it is, it's all for nothing. It's a house of cards. So it brings me to this. What is your next step? What's your next step? And we're all in different places. If you came into this place today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity to get to know him today. Or if you're really far from Christ and you're like, man, I really want to get back to him. Like I remember, you, you, you reminisce about a time when you felt super close to God and you feel like these last, this last season of life, you just can't get back to him. I want to pray for you today that you can be reconciled to him because anything we try to do in our own strength isn't going to amount to anything. And you guys say, you had your thing posted out there that you guys want to, one of your tenants is you want to be built on legacy. What else could we leave to the future generations other than a relationship of Christ? My grandfather was a pastor and he died before he was even born. And um, 
my grandma gave me his Bible that he always preached out of. And there's so often, I never even got to meet the man. But here I am all the time going through that, going through that Bible and just reading like the little notes he put in there and, and learning that. And that's more than anything I could have learned from him, even if he was alive. That relationship with Christ, that desire to go more, to go deeper. So if everybody would close their eyes, bow their heads. I'll start with the first question. If you did come into this place today and you didn't and you do not have a relationship with Christ, I'd love it if you would just throw your hand up at me real quick so I can pray with you. That's good. I get a sense that there's a lot of people in the room today that are followers of Christ. That presents a problem for us, though. Because if we look around the room, I see chairs. We have to invite some people into this place that need a relationship with Christ. So my first prayer today is this. If you are a follower of Christ and you feel like, God, I am far from you right now. I'm not, I'm not saying you're in sin or... I'm not saying you've, you've rebuked God or anything. I'm just saying you feel like you're so far from Him that you just can't seem to hear His voice, that you need direction in this next season of your life, and you want to hear from Him. You want to live out what we talked about today. You know He has a plan for your life, and you want to be in submission to that. You just feel like you can't hear that next step. If that's you, will you raise your hand for me? Jesus, I pray for these hands right now. There's hands all over the place. I pray that your Holy Spirit will go from this service and latch on to them and you won't let up. I pray that first you'll give them the peace to understand that he's got it all laid out. And just like she spoke earlier, that he's going to give us a map, but he's not going to tell you every little step of the process. That we'll be able to step out of, the, out of the boat in faith and say that, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm reminded of when he told the disciples to go and not even to bring an extra tunic or a money bag. can't wait for the resources to show up and we're not always going to get an in-your-face confirmation but you have to trust that God is going to be with you wherever you go and sometimes we're going to make mistakes I pray right now in the name of Jesus if, if a mistake is trying to latch on to you and you're trying to carry that around I pray that it'll drop right now in the name of Jesus and you won't walk out of here with it because the devil wants you to look through the lens of your pain and your failure he wants that to be your identity. But that's not going to be the identity of, the, of Warehouse Church. in your life, family member, friend, or even co-worker, somebody in your life that you know they really need Jesus in your life, and you would love nothing more than to see that happen. Can I see your hand? The Bible says that whenever we pray and we ask things in God's name that is His desire and His will for it to happen, then it'll be. And like I said earlier, His inheritance has, it has no end. 
It's an unlimited amount of resources. I pray right now, God, for your Holy Spirit to come and make us brave. Brave enough to face rejection, but also humble us enough to know that we can't do anything in our strength. That when we're in our secret place, that we're not sitting there with a, with a wish list of the things that we want in our lives, even though God does care about those things. But I want you to turn our heart and increase our maturity, that our mindset will be focused on those that do not have you. We don't want to be like the son that refused to go into the party. Jesus, when your Holy Spirit comes and throws a celebration, we want to be right in the midst with you, praying and worshiping and lifting our hands and giving the glory back to the only one that deserves it. I pray that you'll give these people the right words to say. That when the time comes and they have that opportunity to present Jesus to them, whether it be from the way they, they live their actions, from their decisions, from them literally saying it to them, or them offering just a simple, hey, won't you come to church with me today? God, I pray that you'll give us the power to know what to do in the right time. Because we want to do it for you. We don't want people to walk around with veils. We want to see their veils removed so they can live a transformed life. And see, this region of Kentucky changed forever. We want to see revival. And I'll say this in closing. I once heard a preacher say, everybody wants to pray for fire to come. Jesus, for God to, to, to drop fire out of the sky. He said, if, if God answered our prayer right now, every one of you all get up and run out of the building thinking we're going to burn to death. God wants to give us a supernatural faith that when He shows up, our first reaction isn't fear or to go back to hum, our human mind. But He wants to be thinking so much in the Spirit that when he shows up in a weird and crazy way, in a new way, and he pours out something fresh, our first realization there to be to be skeptical. But it's to say, thank you, God, for showing up. Use me. I'm here. The Holy Spirit is seeking hearts. Who is willing to say, I am here. Use me. So as we go into this next worship song, let's... um. Let's really tune our, our hearts and our minds to Him. And let's pretend like there's nobody else in the room but us and God. As we go into this song, just think about all the things that, all the words that He just brought to us words that we have put down as the words that we stand on, that we build our lives on, that we build our church on. Think about what we can do with those moving forward. Like I said earlier, we're in a season as a church, but this room is full today, and that's a testament to God's promise. So let's all just stand together. If you feel the need to come to the altar and lay something down or if you need prayer you know there's always people that will come pray with you so just bring all that to him today